Hi, welcome to the Transclusive Podcast. Today, my special guest is Charlotte, and we're going to be talking about tea and hopefully a few other things because Charlotte is really a fascinating guest. Um, she's got all kinds of hobbies. So, Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Uh, thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be remotely here. Remotely, yes. Well, I, I mean, I, I would love to do a podcast in a studio where you can actually you know, be in the same room with somebody. But unfortunately, due to all this uh, COVID stuff we've been dealing with in the past couple of years, it's, it's been, you know, everything's remote. So, And the, the expenses to get there would be phenomenal. They right would. Now. They would. They would, actually. I hadn't really thought about that. But you're right. Yeah, and you've got studio hire. You've got <laughs> all the microphones, special muffs. I know. Um, it's just it's a minefield really bit of a pipe dream i think really maybe yeah, no, just take a remote it seems to be working <laughs> so anyway welcome welcome to the podcast and i thought we'd start off with uh talking about tea because i know you're a bit of a, an avid tea drinker and you know what goes into making a decent brew straight into the into the into the nitty-gritty details okay yes. um so firstly it's got to be good tea, um, and you know, honestly, I say I, I fully come across as someone who's a very much a tea snob, but I will drink most teas. Um, I have drink tea in a variety of places around the world. America typically not the greatest of teas, no. and typically they also don't use mm, boiling water, which is almost the key necessity ingredient for all of this. Boiling water from a kettle, um, fresh water, not pre-boiled um and yeah i mean this it's, it's really not that hard it's surprisingly how easy it is for people to mess it up consistently by using the wrong water so, so you say fresh water. fresh water so you're not no real reboiled water this is a key this is key in the process this is the key process uh i don't really mind if you're using tea bags if you're using tea leaves tea leaves are great for the environment um I mean, obviously, aside from the whole getting tea over here side of things, yeah. Um, but you know, if you whatever whatever your choice is, as long as you're using fresh water, boiled from fresh cold water that's gone into your don't use don't use hot water, use cold water. And those taps which say we boil stuff instantly, they're not doing the job properly. Kettle is about the only thing you can make it properly. Everything else is just is just slightly off. There are there are the degrees of goodness and badness, but I mean, I said to start off saying I didn't want to come across as a tea snob, and pretty much straight into that whole tea snob thing. <laughs> well, not really. I think it's you know it's an important thing. Um, so you have one of those posh kettles, don't you, that you can actually set the temperature. Yes, so you, you I can do. set it to less than boiling if you you know if you have a special a specialty tea that you're drinking. Yeah. So I predominantly drink black tea because I like black tea. I like. Assam in the morning, Ceylon in the afternoon. Um, I will have English breakfast as well throughout most of the day. I'm not not tied to the name being we need to be anything else. Uh, but if I'm having something like a mint tea or um, I guess Darjeeling or ginger and lemon, if you if you're putting your boiling water into that, that's just going to scold the leaves and pretty much ruin the tea entirely. So you you want like a slightly cool one. Plus, then you can just leave the bag in for as long as you want to. That have a super strong tea. So just off, just off the boil, 
I'm, uh, minty, minty, I tend to do about 80. 80, so, right. Uh, I guess that's that, uh, off the boil. That's going to be uh, cooling down-wise. That's probably that's probably a good two, three minutes of cooling down. Yeah. And then what about the down. what about the period you need to, you know, infuse the tea? What's the, I mean, tea bag. I, I, what I do, I just throw the tea bag in the cup, pour the boiling water on it, and then just kind of squeeze out the goodness with a spoon. I probably shouldn't do that. I should probably leave it in the cup for a few, for a minute or so. So the reason why people don't tend to leave it in the cup is because they're worried that the tea is going to go cold. Um, and no one wants a cold tea because, well, okay, some people want iced tea, but no one wants a cold tea that's actually been made properly. Um, so I will leave the bag in if I'm doing bag three to five minutes. Um, wow. But I will also put a tea cozy over that, which handily is a woolly hat that I accidentally washed at, I think it was something like 40 or 50, which shrunk, uh, is never going to fit on my head again, but it does fit over a cup. And so hang on, cup, you, you're putting a really tea cozy warm. over a cup? Yeah. yeah. Not, a, not, a, not a teapot? Not just over the cup, because it All keeps right. the cup nice and warm. Wow. Sure. If you, if you, if you ever make a mistake and, and utterly ruin a woolly hat, don't throw that hat away. You use it as a tea cozy, a teacup cozy. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've definitely learned some things here. So I need to I need to always use fresh cold water, fresh water because it it still has the oxygen in it, which is needed in the brewing process to give you the mm-hmm. yep. flavor in the tea. And just off the boil for if it's kind of like a mint tea or something, boiling water otherwise. Let it let it brew in the cup for about two to three minutes. Three to five, but it totally, totally depends on what you like. Like some people like it really milky, some people like it. Just I just like a it just a, just a dash of milk, so it's you know it's, just takes away the bitterness slightly. Yeah, I mean, I, I use oat milk, so I'm 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 not even not even having dairy milk anymore. Um, oh, wow. It's 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 just down to it. Once you once you're past the stage of how strong you want it, it's kind of how people like it. Like, I like it that strength. If I made you a tea, I would give it to you that strength. But if you also told me I like it really milky, I would give you a milky tea. Um, you know, I make it for the person who I'm making it for. But honestly, that fresh water thing at the beginning, a lot of people will tell you it makes no difference on bad quality tea. Yeah, possibly they're right. But it really does make a fundamental difference on that cup of tea. And you can tell very easily if someone's used pre-boiled water in it. Because you, you do have to squeeze out that tea bag, otherwise you're not getting any flavour out of that tea bag. Yeah. So there you go. I, I have learned a lot there. Um, I actually just made myself one before we start recording, so I'm just going to have a second. Well, unfortunately, tea is a bad diuretic, so I will not be having another tea for a while. <laughs> so some of your other hobbies that we kind of discussed were you're into the piano lessons is that right you've been learning how to play the piano uh yeah i mean i haven't had lessons now for a couple of years largely due to covid um it's not the easiest thing to do remotely having a piano set up with a a thing next to it um so i've been kind of just i took lessons for the last the three to four years beforehand um so I, i started playing when i was five um I gave up when I was 10 because I got bored of playing three blind mice on repeat and my piano teacher 
apparently just really wanted to play free by nice on repeat um and i didn't do it for a long time i i got to the age of about i guess 33 ish 34 and decided i'd quite like to play piano again um so i've got a piano a electronic piano because of space uh I got some books on how to teach myself. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I kind of didn't really progress as far as I wanted to progress. So I finally found a teacher. Um, I went to speak to the teacher. We sat down and I showed her the books I've been learning from. I showed her the book I wanted to play. And she said, right, well, we'll get rid of all those books which you're learning from. We'll take the books you want to play and we'll just do that. And we'll just start with that one. There's no point in learning stuff you don't want to play. You just may as well learn the stuff you want to play because otherwise, like you're just learn you're learning how to play something which is is you're not interested in, so you're going to get bored very quickly. Um, and so I've done that now for I got I got I'm okay. I'm not I'm not particularly great. I, mean, I need to practice a lot more. I kind of got distracted by other things recently. Um, but you know I I I put some stuff up on 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 my SoundCloud. Everyone's got a SoundCloud. Um, and I've put um you know i I enjoy still doing it now yeah i will still play it try and play at least once a day not more so on the soundcloud is that is that things you've kind of come up with yourself or it's just you practicing stuff uh so it's mostly playing piano wise it tends to be uh and, and here we here comes here comes uh here comes pretension uh modern modern classical uh music by um uh people like Nils Fran or um Peter Broderick. Uh and so I'm basically playing their music in, in on my piano. So you know it's me playing it, but it's their their songs. Um there's a few things where uh there's some sort of improvisations which I've done some more of my own stuff on it, but it's not you know it's still based off an original uh score effectively from someone else um i have i have lots of lots of sheet music um which i'm utterly incapable of playing um i'd love to be able to play it but also with the amount of practice i need to do that will radically radically change quite a lot of the other hobbies i have um in terms of how much time i've gone to them which is where you know time money space living all these things get in the way um yeah. Um, so, so if anybody wanted to listen to your your stuff, they would they can uh -huh. put it on your the link is on your Twitter account, isn't it? To your it's in the profile, the profile for my Twitter yeah. account has it. Uh, I think it, I think it's probably just bit.ly slash Charlotte SoundCloud. I think. I think yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I'm just looking now. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So yeah, dear listener, please go listen. Yeah. If you like that sort of thing. If you don't like it, there's yeah. some uh, old DJ sets from the 2000s as well for, for a bit of fun. <laughs> like a, quite a quite a broad spectrum of music there. Um, yeah, uh, one of your other uh, hobbies that you're famous for is sewing. I, I've noticed that on Twitter you have a lot of pictures of like sewing projects that you're currently working on. Is that is that like a is that a recent hobby or is that is that like one of these lockdown hobbies? Have you been doing that for years? Okay, so I mean, the first thing I guess, which I sort of is famous. I don't, I don't know if I would well, ever yeah. really say famous. Known for, known yeah. For. Okay, I'll take that. 
I'll take um, famous, but okay, known for. Okay. Um, I've done, uh, I started sewing about nine months ago. Um, I made a pair of pajamas, um, bottoms, just pajama bottoms. Um, I just wanted to sew. I sewed. I, I don't really know why I started it. I kind of just did start it. Um, I wanted to make it. There's the, the certain items of clothing I wanted to make. I started sewing almost exclusively because I wanted to make a key pal. Or um, uh, I think it's called a Chong, Chong Sang dress, Chong Sang dress. Um, it's it's a it's a Chinese dress with uh, with like a Mandarin color. It's um has a binding around all the colors and stuff like usually a contrast binding and stuff. And it's a very sort of it's a very obvious uh, Chinese type of style of dress. Um, and that's what I wanted to make for a long time. That's how I started really getting into it. Um, but that's quite a, a task for your first set. So yeah, that sounds I like made, a challenge. Yeah, it was. Uh, I made it. I finally made it um, a couple of weeks ago. All right. But I, I start on pajamas, which are easy. They're just basically two tubes with some uh, elastic around the waist, so you know, easy. Um, I've done lots of other trousers, lots of um, uh, shirts, blouses, um, skirts. Skirts are really generally pretty easy. Um, I've made varieties of them. Um, and I basically got a book um, called uh, Love at First Stitch by uh, Tilly, Tilly Walls. Yeah, Tilly Walls um, of, uh, of Tilly and the Buttons, who is uh, one of the contestants on, I think, the first Great British Sewing Bee. All right. Um, and it's a really good introductory book on how to how to do sewing. Um, it's you know, I, I did the trousers first, which is a pattern from her company. Um, and I did, I then made sort of headband. Um, and I've sort of just progressed on from there, trying different things. And I, I love it. There's, there's, there's something about being able to make something which you can then wear, you can walk around in, you yeah. can, um, and I, and I, I know, and, and, you know, I quite often see people who make stuff and they don't wear it. They just sort of, they make it and they kind of just, that's it done. I'll hang that up on a wardrobe and sort of move on to the next one. But I, I've worn everything I've made. I love everything I've made. It's, it's there. Are, I know there are errors in all the stuff I've made. I can point out every single one of them. Um, but I know most people won't but see no, them. Nobody else is going to notice the errors, are they? Like... Oh, there, there are certain people who would notice them. There, there are other sewists, I think I could, the, yeah, if they yeah. looked at it critically. Um, but the great thing about sewing is that if you, if you, if you go into sewing in the, on the sort of the assumption that you're going to make everything perfect, you're pretty much going to fall down, right? Maybe maybe some of the several row stuff is perfect, or some of the high high couture stuff is is perfect. Um, and you know they do a lot more thinking about stuff than I do. Um, but if you if you look at like even even brands which are seen as high quality ones like Bowden or um, you know those sort of ones you'll see errors in the way they're put together. There will be problems in almost everything you've ever had. Um, and most people just don't notice them. And the really great thing is that once you start sewing and you start to see these things, it's like, all the errors. I don't need to be perfect. But I don't need to be perfect. 
if I make this dress and there's a, as a there's a I messed up one of the seams or I didn't quite get it right. No, almost no one will notice. A few, very few people will, and those people who do notice also know that everything else is like that in the world. Um, and that to make an entire dress perfectly is is quite hard. It's, it is doable, but it's um it's very hard. Um, and you might use different techniques. Like you know, I I I put in zips and maybe a different way to the way which I'm supposed to do them for other bits because that's the way I learned how to do it. And quite frankly, it's a lot easier that way than for me than to do it the other way. Um, and it's it's. You know, it's great. I love sharing, doing it as well. Like that's my that's what I do to, is I know, not escape. Escape the yeah. Normal, to I do just to, to relax and wind down. Yeah, yeah. So so you know, if somebody wanted to get into it, what how what would you recommend as a kind of a starting point? I've often thought about getting into this, and I I don't really know where to start. You know, you can so go and buy yourself the a first thing I would, and that's probably not the way to do it, is it? Uh, no. So I I, um, I borrowed a machine initially. And I think, and, and honestly, the first time I sewed on that machine, for, for actually the first two or three projects I made, uh, there's, 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 a, there's a part of the machine, which is called the tension, which is how the, the two threads interact with each other. And the idea is you're supposed to have that tension right. If the tension's wrong, they just don't loop together. It doesn't sew anything together. And I had that wrong for all three of the projects I did. Like I had no tension set to anything. So threads, the fact that any of the things stay together is incredible. Um, but there be there are sewing machines are funny things. People buy sewing machines all the time. Then they sort of do it for a while. And they they stop using them. Um, they move on. Right. There's there's different types of sewing machine. There's mechanical, computerized, all these different things. Right. But largely, there's probably someone in a family or a friend or someone who's not using one at the moment. I know I can, I can probably name at least two of my friends who I know have sewing machines who they're not using at the moment because it's, they claim it's, you know, it's just got dusty, it's not working, whatever, yeah. right? But they're not hard to eat. There's plenty of people who repair them. Um, so I, I would, I would try and find one of those first, just so you can use something that you know works. So go, and go, honestly, go borrow a machine and get some patterns and have a go, I guess. Yeah, I would I would get I would probably get the um Love at First Stitch book because it's a really good guide. It starts you off on a very simple projects and works your way up to more complex ones, but they're all doable. Um and fabric wise, the you don't want to spend a lot of money on fabric. Right? It's it's so the first pajamas I made are out of El Dube. Um old sheets, things which you're going to throw away or which are in charity and stuff. Because you, you know what the, the great thing about duvets are is that A, they've already been treated. For if you typically if you buy fabric, the first thing you need to do is wash it and yeah. dry it. Yeah. Because it might shrink. So whatever size you buy, it can shrink. Which is really handy when you bought the right amount and it turns out it's not the right amount because it's shrunk to the enough that you've lost it. Um but duvets, duvet covers and stuff have already been pre-washed, pre-shrunk. Everything's already made because it has to fit the duvet. Like if, if it suddenly shrunk when you washed it, you suddenly no one would be happy with that. And <laughs> IKEA, you can buy like a duvet cover for I don't know, like ten pounds, and that's actually a lot of fabric. That's there's a lot of fabric, yeah. And that's quite, know, quite a cheap way of doing it. Yeah, and it's usually fairly good quality. I mean, I've, I've got I've made linen trousers out of linen bed sheets from IKEA. 
I've got um, I've got a stripy skirt which I've made out of a stripy pattern for my Kia. Um, yeah, if you get a two tone one where it's stripy on top, grey on the bottom, you've got two bits of fabric for the same price as one. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> but it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a really easy way to get into it because because you most people have an old duvet which they maybe an old duvet cover which they might think it was a bit tired now. I don't necessarily want to have this on my duvet all the time or my bed, and you know you can use that just to make a. Yeah, don't, and you don't don't worry about patterns. Don't try and get the plane of the fabric for the first one. Go for that, and you know, elastic waist. About, you don't have to I, deal with them. Do you have any kind of favourite stores you go to to get fabric and stuff, patterns and things? I notice when I go into John Lewis, they've got a really good sewing section in the local John Lewis here. They seem to have a lot of materials um, available. So I like going to the, I like going to the local. There's, there's two shops where I live. Um, there's one which recently opened, which is a, a dressmaking, a dress fabric shop, which is great because um, typically um, most sort of haberdasheries around tend to be sort of quilting type shops. So they're, the fabric is generally good for making quilts and things, not necessarily for making dresses. I've made some great clothing out of it, but it's not really designed for it. So if you're wanting to get fabric that is stretchy, like jersey or bamboo type stuff like that they don't tend to stock that because no one's making quilts out of bamboo um so there's the that that shop which just opened um and the owner is lovely she makes her own clothes as well um and you know i had plenty of long chats with her about you know picking the fabric you know contrasting together yeah. um she has huge rolls of linen which is super good um but the nice thing is that you're then talking to someone who's really doing this stuff as well day to day. what they're doing that's a good tip yeah, and, and actually, when you're first starting off, there's, there's this thing about making, um, uh, it's, it's called a toile, which is weirdly spelt as T-O-I-L-E. And it's like a first version of the of the clothing you're making so that you can fit it and do your changes and stuff. I I very rarely ever make them because I'm very lazy. I do, I, I make, uh, it's called, I think it's called like a wearable toile. Um, where I just make the fabric out of the stuff I want to make. And if it needs to be changed, then maybe if I make the dress the second time, I'll change it. But for the first time, it's usually fine. Um, you know, look at look on the, on the pattern. It will tell you the finished size, which it's going to be. Measure yourself. And, and as long as you're under that finished size, kind of work. And, and the hardest thing, the hardest thing is to pick clothing that's going to suit you. Right? Yeah. Typically, as 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 a... Well, as a trans woman, my you know, body shape is not necessarily the same as as, as a cis woman's one. Right? Yeah. My I don't have the hips. Um, my shoulders are generally fairly. I'm kind of like a Dorito in many respects, like a triangle, you know, from the top down to the bottom. And so, picking picking skirts that flare out, A-line ones or or stuff like that, is far more flattering to me than picking a yeah, me too. straight pencil skirt. And so make those. Don't don't. You know, you might see the most beautiful skirt ever that's straight down. I, I kind of have my you know, like the favorite stores I like to go to. There's, there's one in Lytham called Room where, where I I go and get quite a lot of stuff there because I really like the styles. You know, I've got some favorite shops that, that I will go to, and I you know kind of have a certain style of things I like. So what I worry about if making my own clothes is how do I find that same kind of style in pattern books is there a is it easy to find that stuff or 
I guess you could reverse engineer stuff too if you want, if you were, if you knew what you're doing. Yeah. So reverse engineering is something I I've not spent a lot of time doing. It's something I wanted to do. Um, it's something I plan to do. Um, it it's worth sewing quite a lot of things beforehand so you can kind of know how yeah, you get some experience of how to do things. Yeah. I think it, it, the style which you pick, there largely you'll find patterns for most things. Um, so I the I knew what the 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 keypad looked like. I knew I wanted to make that, so I knew that that's what I was looking for. Um, but I also I've got a, a a large collection of um 40s and 50s inspired um actually 40s 50s American inspired patterns and you know different things which fit my thing and, and once you find the, there's there's pattern houses which will fit so um Tilly and the buttons which is where a lot of my patterns come from is very sort of um. Ooh, I don't know. It's kind of modern, modern sort of very, very simple, modern, stylish clothing that that's actually generally suitable for a whole range of sizes, a whole range yeah. of types of people. Um, to uh, all the sort of the vintage styles I've got, which is sort of this um, this someone called Gertie, who uh, she actually she I think she was a judge on Project Runway in America. Um, but all of, all of her stuff is very forties and fifties style. So you know the big flared out dresses, the um you know cigarette pants stuff like that and all of those you know i like i like mixing those things up as well to try and make things and you know uh, uh, making my own patterns as well something that i've started to do that i've enjoyed doing as well to actually have my own style because the things which i like which i don't see patterns for and so if i can make them and then i can choose my own colors my own um fabrics my own everything it's just, it's just it's you know i think largely if you can draw it or you can have an attempt at drawing it you could probably have a fairly good punt at actually making it um yeah i mean yeah, it's, that, it's that's just, like uh you know the experience level is is way up there i think for that kind of thing right but it's but it's, but it's not i mean like, you know somebody like me who's never done it i i i just kind of need a help where do i start you know yeah so so start so start with the start with the um love at first stitch it's, it's it's one book it's um it's got all the patterns in the back the yeah, only thing which you need to get the only thing you need to get with that is tracing paper um and a big because, table yeah a, a solid big table is very handy um honestly i did all my tracing for the first period of time on the floor um i just sat on the floor i i got a large cutting mat i put out the sort of pattern on top of it and I drew around it. The thing which you the thing which you the thing which you want to do is when you have a pattern, it has like eight different sizes. If you cut that pattern out, you're only going to have that one size now, or maybe the next size down. Yeah. If you use tracing paper, you can trace the pattern the size you want it to be. And then you can draw you if you can if keep you, it if for you the other sizes it, if you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Well also if you make it and you decide, you know what, the waist is too big, it doesn't fit me. Oh, then you, can, you can change it. Obviously, yeah. you can just draw, draw on your tracing paper and make it smaller, and then next time you make it, you're making smaller ones. Um, wow. But you know, tra tracing paper is is yeah. So the book, tracing paper, pencil. You're inspiring or me. Or a sewing machine. You're inspiring me. I'm going to go have a go. Yeah, I make make start start really simple. Make a headband. It's, it's make cheap. yeah. Start it's with great. simple stuff and see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, do do you have any ambitions to go on the sewing bee? Have, have you have you? Thought about that? 
No. Uh, I can tell by your face. No. So I've thought about it, but I've also thought that I really don't have the skill set. I've watched sewing bee from I've, I've seen all the sewing bees. Um and the level which they're actually at now, like the level which the last series of contestants were at, is so far above where I am. It's like, yeah, like maybe, maybe, like I could maybe start with the first series and think, hmm, I might, I might be a sort of level of maybe one or two of those. And I think, you know, that's, that's how a lot of these things work. Like that first series, it's like they're just finding people. So it's kind of people who are having a go and stuff. And it's, it's, but as it's progressed through, the people who are applying for like season seven or I think season eight, or I think whatever it is now, they're ones who they've spent, They've been practicing specifically to get on yeah. the sewing bee, right? and they—they're doing stuff which is like that they know is going to come up on the show, kind of thing. Yeah, materials are just like how, why you, that, that's like a really hard material. I can totally see why you won because you know the stuff you're making is amazing. It's like yeah. I, I don't think anything I've ever made is that anywhere near half so, of that level. And so, if you did, if you did go on, would you be the first trans woman on the show? I'm not sure if there's been any others. I don't know. I I can't I can't think of any I don't think of any trans women who've ever been on it. No, I can't. Um, no, I think I, I don't know. I mean then again, you know, there have definitely been women on there. So yeah. uh Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Keep keep stay tuned. You might be on there one day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably probably one, once it's run its course and it's the last thing, the last dregs. So then for your for your like your 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 serious job, the thing you do to actually, you know, pay your bills, you're you're a you're a software developer. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a very, very strong character arc for trans uh, to go to software engineer. Yeah, no, um, no, no stereotypes there at all. No, no, I'm 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 yeah, I do I I I mean, technically, I mean, I, I write, so, I do write software for people, um, but largely, I actually spend quite a lot of time teaching people, companies, specifically, usually how to use the sort of stuff which I'm writing and the, the thing, the stuff I work with. Um, you, and, you're a freelance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I go around. I I have travelled in the past to a whole range of countries. I've taught in New Zealand. I've taught in. Um, Lots of places in Europe. Uh, thankfully, due to Brexit, now I only have to do stuff in the UK, which makes life a whole lot more boring. Um, <laughs> but hey, would it pay? Uh, I do. It does. It pays bills, and I get to. I, you know, there, there are benefits. I, will, I, you know, I for the last couple of years, it's been Zoom. I've done a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of Zoom training, which is not not my preferred way of doing it. Um, but I also, you know, I also transitioned halfway through a lot of these things, which has been yeah. an interesting experience of, of um, how, I guess, yeah, strangers in a sense, uh, people I work with, how they react, how they would cope with things, how 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 much it affected them, and has been largely um, fine. Uh, you know, it's a tech industry. I'm teaching generally forward-leaning um, departments in these tech pieces, which are interested in the sort of tech I'm doing. And uh, I, I, to my knowledge, never had a problem. Um, I've been fully backed up by the clients who I work with saying that they would um, 
you know, if anything did ever happen, that all I really have to do is just hang up and, and walk away and they will sort it out for me. Yeah, um, so, so I'm, I'm very, very lucky. You've not really lost any clients or anything. It sounds like you got a lot of uh, good, good support there. Yeah, no, I've, I've lost, I've lost no clients. I actually got, I gained clients, not, not specifically for being, for being trans. That's not. I don't advertise myself as that. It's not. It's no. not. It's not my leading. It's not my leading no. on the business cards. No, should more. Why, why should it be? <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, I, I've got, I've got new clients during the, during the since I transitioned, and I've. I haven't lost anyone yet that I'm aware of. I, it's been it's been fine as far as okay. I'm aware. So you you live down in Devon, don't you? I do at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, and but you're originally from Cornwall, was it? Or uh, no, I lived in. Brighton. So I lived in Cornwall. I'm from Brighton. Um, I lived in Cornwall for a bit uh, for sort of a good sort of I guess seven eight years, but I I sort of newer to Devon. Um, yeah, I'm from Brighton. I'm, I'm I'm Brighton, born and bred. So I'm hoping to see you at Brighton Trans Pride this year. Coming up, we all in, hope that. Coming up in July. Yeah, I it's 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 a distinct possibility. That would be. Um, I, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I know our our, our friends Jess and Nooms will be going too. So we, you know, because yeah. they've not had one for the past two years, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be quite a busy event. You know, there's going to be a lot of people going who haven't had the chance to go. No, well, I think there's, all, I mean, I think there's also a trans pride in Newquay this year. Um, so I probably think you're going to that. Um, right. I'm not exactly sure of the dates of that. I think that's in May. So I'll see. see and how that Bristol's not too far from you. So the, there's, a, there's a good one in Bristol, trans pride in Bristol, run by Kaz. Do you know Kaz? Kaz self? I don't know, Kaz. Yeah. No, I do not know. Okay. Well she she organizes that. That was that I think we went to that one, I think it was the same year as that we went to the Brighton Trans Pride. But yeah, it was great. Another really it was a small event, but it was really well organized. I enjoyed it immensely. Well, Bristol is a very nice city. It was. It was a, it was a great one. Great day out. We'll look into it and see see when these things are. You're right. I mean, it's not far away. It's just it's uh, yeah. fundamentally, I'm lazy. It's kind of why I got into software engineering <laughs> in the first place, so I didn't have to. Uh, so you didn't have to go anywhere. Have to yeah, see what's going on. So how how was your you know when you transitioned? And mm-hmm. I, I know you're going to talk about your transition story in in a, in a little while, but how was you know your family's reaction, friends? other other kind of people you've worked with i mean how what was it what was the general reaction to your transition so i guess the general general reaction was sort of uh um but no no badness that i'm aware of um i i socially transitioned very quickly um, and at that point, because I because I kind of went through my whole family and uh, and friends and work at the same very quick period of time, I guess I didn't give a lot of people a lot of chance to really do anything other than just to, you know, you either accept it or or jog on. Um, I'm I'm here. This is who I am. Yeah. Uh, and you know, despite internal prejudices of how people would react, 
Um, I actually, all of every, every, my family um, have been supportive fully. Um, my friends, my, my, you know, my friends have been fine. I don't, I don't, I don't know of any, I don't know of any friends I've lost. Um, I've certainly had people who I thought um, I might lose, I potentially could lose, or I you know, wouldn't be want to be friends because me possibly that's not the way they political yeah. or you know, personal views would lie, but who haven't, who have been, you know, sent messages of support and stuff. I've, I've had, I had a friend who, honestly, I'm reasonably confident. I thought, I thought had done um, ghosted me for like 20 years who, who sent a message saying, you know, I'm, I'm, if you know, if you need to, I'm here. It's fair. And that's great. It's, it's, I'm exceptionally lucky. I know that full hard, full heartedly that there's not a single person who I class as a friend or I class as family or who I've worked with who has said anything negative to me. If someone's ever said anything negative about me, I'm not aware of it. And that is fine. Right. That's yeah. the way I want it to be. Absolutely. I don't want to. Um, no, but I mean, it's great, great to hear that you've had, you know, so much support. That's fab. It's also, it's, it's a, it's a spread of ages and stuff as well, right? It's not, um, I've got, I've got friends who are, I'm 41. I've got friends who are in their, in their sort of twenties. I've got younger friends. I've got, um, people who are older than that significantly in the middle, all the way around, right? The whole range. And I've not had a single issue with any of them. Yeah. There's not a set. It's not like there's a characteristic that oh, if you're this age, that you're going to have a problem with it. No, I mean you know, largely the older generation, the ones who I thought would have been the biggest issues potentially, because they you know certainly some of the people I know are, are older, conservative voting, all those sort of things. It's like well, you know what, we've lived through enough life. Why do we care? You, yeah, you I had a you. very, very kind of similar experience with you know members of my family who you know fairly old now. Totally, totally supportive. You know, I wasn't really expecting that in, in one or two cases, but yeah, really supportive. And yeah, it, it really makes you realize how, you know, lucky, fortunate you are. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. So I classes, I class it as lucky. Right? I, I, I see it as lucky. And I, and I, and obviously you just said, you know, how lucky and fortunate we are, but honestly, I, I know, if you look at if you look at the, the public social media stuff of that, like there's always, there's always a lot of negatives, how people are losing um, families and stuff of that, and, and clearly that happens. It's not lying. It's nothing um, unvalid or anything about that. That that's that's the absolute worst thing that could happen to someone. I I I don't I can't imagine it because I'm not in that position, right? And and I've not been in such. But I'm also I think there's probably I think the narrative is very much on the negative side for a lot of things, for almost everything, particularly with trans. It's it's, it's the negative. You're you're suicidal, dysphoric. Um, you'll be you'll be rejected by your friends, your family, your work, your thing. And there are absolutely people that happens to, definitely. But there's also probably quite a lot of people it doesn't happen to, and those voices are never really spoken about or heard because they're not. Um, going to trend you know they're not they're not as dramatic yeah honestly you go for, go through an average day i guarantee ask anyone most people come up with these two or three bad things that happen during the day someone's slighter than someone doesn't that 
ask them to list the good things and they say, oh, nothing good happened. But I bet it did. Yeah. Even if it's like small things, small things at the equivalent level of the stuff which is bad, they won't remember because it's so much easier to remember the bad stuff. We live in an amazing world. We genuinely have some of the best things that we, for the fact that I'm even talking to you over a, over a communication tool where we're a couple hundred miles apart, that you know we met on a, on a on a social me social network of of people who I've met amazing people on Twitter that in reality ten years ago twenty years ago I'd never have met. Yeah, this, this is, is this is yeah. This is an era where we can do things and we can, and the reason why all this bad stuff is seen is because it's now publicly visible. And you know what, as bad as that is, it's also really good because it is publicly visible because it allows us, it affords us, the ones of us who aren't utterly de you know, depressed, destructive, all those things to be able to reach out and, and say, this isn't. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, pretty much to be that way. Everybody I know in, in the community I've, I've met virtually first either via social media or you know some of the trans groups yeah i mean i can't think of anybody I've, I, that I, i've just met without those things oh. in place and i i don't and i've met i and it's, it's you know there are, there are people you meet who are just just really lovely people who are just they don't they whether they're trans, whether they're cis, it doesn't matter. They're just actually really nice people who, who I would never, ever meet. Mm. Like, I live in a small parochial town in Devon. Like, the social circle, if I was stuck here, would be non-existent. Yeah. Um, the fact that, um, you know, there are people in, in even even Bristol, um, people in, in further into Cornwall, people in Brighton. Um, yeah, clearly, I grew up in Brighton, right? It's a hotbed of being able to probably socially wise that's probably the safest spot i could have really chosen to stay um but it doesn't kind of matter the world's smaller because of the fact that i can talk to people in scotland i can talk to people in america and australia and oh, all over the world yeah so we, we do have an amazing online community don't we it's uh it's quite it's quite important that we, we we kind of mention that i think I think we have an amazing online community, but we also have an amazing set of people. Uh, community is a funny thing in terms of what community. When, when you when you talk about community, are you talking just the trans community or, or trans and allies, or actually just people who? Because the amount of people I've seen who are just normal, who don't even know someone's trans, or or just they they maybe follow me because of the sewing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that that's, that's the ideal, isn't it? That, you know, we, we, we know all these people for not just the single reason that we're trans. I mean, we should be, we should be having friends with, you know, with all kinds of people for all different kinds of reasons. It's not, it's not just because we're trans. I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman, yeah. first and foremost. Exactly. I'm trans secondary. Yeah. Not even maybe secondary. I'm a sewist. That's You're a sewist. Yeah. Yeah, not so a, not a I, mean, I think when you know when you when you first come out, you kind of you're focusing on your community of trans people because it's like it's the most important thing for you at that time. But then I think later on, you 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 know you you kind of expand your circle into these other groups, you know, which are mainly based on on your interests and other aspects of your life. You know, it's it's really difficult to not focus on just the trans stuff in the very early stages where it's you know it's very kind of in your in your face important 
time that you're going through. But as you relax and, you know, you, you become more used to, you know, being yourself now. I think I think you you yeah, kind of because you're you, know, you, you you're expanding to all those other areas, mainly based on interests and things you like to do. Yeah, I mean, like you're a media mogul. You've got all this sort of all your podcasting stuff and all of those things. <laughs> um, but it, it's it, it, it's it's slightly. I just there's that sort of worry. There's a lot of people who are there's a lot of people who who start off for the beginning transition. When I started off being transitioning, sort of the whole sort of I, you know, I, I need to be dysphoric. I need to be. Um, I need to. I need to absolutely know that if I tell any of my close friends and family, that they will just leave me. Like, that's what I know. I know that because that's what Twitter's telling me. That's what social networks tell me. Yeah. And it's it's really important to have those things where it's not all bad. You know, what? sometimes sometimes um, sometimes things are bad. And they, you know, that happens. But sometimes things are actually good as well. It's it, it is there are there are good stories out there. They're just not pushed up through the um, algorithms yeah. as much because they yeah. don't they're in So I, I've met I've met so many lovely people, you know, recently through all kinds of different channels, and the the, there's, the topic of me being trans never comes up, which is I think is is amazing. It's great. I love that. You know, I think I think we need more. Yeah. We need more of that. We need to be more relaxed in who we are. I think. Yeah, and it will. It will. Honestly, you know, I'm naive. That's why I have naive in my in my Twitter profile. I am naive. I've I've been I transitioned for a year, year and a bit, give or take. Yeah, just over a year. Um. So you know, I've not been embroiled in the in the in the issues, in the problems, in the in all of that stuff for for enough times. Everyone else has. Um. And absolutely, I will make totally naive comments about. How you know what it's it's you know, yeah it, it seems like it's it's terrible but it's also my worldview my actual lived in life is not as bad as as it's painted on Twitter it's not as bad as as, yeah, as I mean if you spent all your time on Twitter you would never leave the house you know it's that's how bad Twitter is at times yeah but, that, but there are people who do that there are people who's who's who will who will hide because they see these things and so and I guess the, I guess the message is that you know there's a lot more to just just seeing stuff on Twitter and Facebook, you know. There's, there's yeah, talk, 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 really actually talk to. Go do people you can meet outside of all that negativity. But also, also talk to, talk to the, um, maybe maybe talk to the people who aren't doing the negative stuff. Um, you know, if, if someone, someone messages me and asks to talk about stuff, I, I would talk to someone, I would talk to anyone about any part of it, yeah. To the point where they don't want me to talk about it anymore. But I would still carry on. Um, I had I, I've had lovely conversations with with people who are scared, who are worried about stuff. And you know what? The the, the absolutely is sometimes some of their fears are justified, but actually a lot of the time, it's actually just knowing that they're not alone. That actually there are there there are people out there who they can talk to who aren't going to just. I, it's really easy to go down the route of um, reinforcing someone's views on something. Like, oh, everything's horrible. The world's the world's terrible. And you go, yeah, no, it really is. It's terrible. It's horrible. You're, 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 the world's horrible. Um, you need to fight back. You just you're you're right to get depressed about it and stuff like that. Whereas to have someone actually say, it's not necessarily all bad. It's not you know pick up some of the think of the good things you've done. Think of actually you know here's a few things. I I spent the whole day out 
and nothing happened. Yeah. Like that's that's a good thing. Nothing happened. Like if that shouldn't be a good thing, that should that should just be normal. Like should a good thing should be I went out and someone complimented me or Yeah. You know, that's and that's that's the kind of thing which I think we don't there are certain there's certain lots of people who are who who are really positive and would be absolutely helpful. And that, yeah, I'm totally one hundred percent someone who's been on an utter roller coaster, um, where I've been really low, really depressed, really unhappy, um, through to being ecstatic. Um, I think I'm kind of in the middle now, kind of okay. I think I'm good. Uh, but all those things are things which you almost all of us have been through. And it's not because I'm trans, it's because that's just life. It's not it's not trans specific, it's life specific. And it's it's actually just who no one's life is simple. I mean, maybe maybe millionaires, multimillionaires, their lives are relatively easy because they've just they you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, you know, most people aren't. Most people have worries about everything. I worry about whether I've killed my plant, I worry about whether I've sewn the wrong seat. Like the, you know, the reason why I tweet about my sewing is 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 also because I make mistakes all the time. And you shouldn't be fearful of making a mistake. You just unpick it. You learn how to. You just you learn how to just fix those things because actually, that's what life is as well. You just fix it. You have to do that because otherwise you just get stuck in a rut. And then, you know, you need to get pulled out somehow. And it's easier to it's easier to just realize that these things aren't unsolvable. They are fixable. Also, sounds like a really positive sort of. Uh, I don't know. One uh, of those sort of evangelist type people who's really annoyingly positive about stuff i mean i could be impressive if we want to be, do that. no it's, it's good to be positive i mean we need to be positive we've got no reason to be negative let's be positive okay uh yeah but i was i, was, I don't want to be i i don't want to be seen as the, I, pragmatic yeah I'm, I'm i'm positively pragmatic and i i don't really like to spout a lot of um aphorisms about making like, I mean, this is, it's all okay because it's not sometimes it's really not sometimes it is just yeah, I mean, it is bad the, you know the, the fact is there are there are people out there who are trying to do two terrible things to us you know and there's governments making yeah. stupid laws etc but yeah okay there is that but you know we need to stay positive we need to you know re- re- remain as positive as we can and fight these things in a positive way yeah, you need to, you need to have the light with the dark. Otherwise, there's no. If you just if you just focused on all that dark stuff, it would just be awful. Your life would be an an absolute show of everything bad. And there is some really good stuff. Almost every single person I follow, I you know I can point out stuff they've done that's really good, really positive, really nice things that they do. And I bet almost all of them would forget that they've done it. Yeah, to a, to a, they wouldn't to recognize a, it. Person, yeah. no. The only reason I follow people is because I like them, because they are enjoyable to talk to you, because they're enjoyable to converse with. So almost every single person I follow, they've done that good. They've they've made it good enough that I wanted to follow them. So that's that's a tick in everyone's person's books. Yeah. I don't follow people who I find antagonistic or boring and stuff because why would I? I've got I've got my own life to live. I don't really want to spend it at someone who's for that out there. Yeah. Yeah, very true. That's not to say if I don't follow you that I think you're boring. Because that's the other way that could be read, and that's not that's not the intention. No. So could could you just explain to our dear listeners um, your transition story? You know, just where how did it begin for you? What you know, when did you realise that you were trans? Okay. 
So I'm a child of the 80s. I went to school from 86, probably, maybe 85. I don't know, I was young, I don't remember. Um, to you know, school finished at 99. Um, so pretty much entirely section 28 for the entire time. So uh, we'll start, start a little bit back. Maybe I, the, the first time I remember, and I started, I guess I guess I probably started cross-dressing is probably the best way to really describe the first sort of stuff I did. And I remember um, certainly sometime around 1990. So, you know, this is the first thing I really remember was um, trying to copy one of my girlfriend's outfits, how she looked, how she walked, how she did all those things, just wanting to be her, basically. Um, I knew where to get all the clothing to do that, so I presume I'd done it beforehand. But I just don't remember anything prior to that because I'm old and my memory is not so great. Um, I then spent the next 30 or so years kind of doing that, doing a sort of classic um, bye bye bye, where where where, purge purge purge, bye bye bye, where where where, yeah, purge purge purge. purge. Yeah, huge quantities of money, huge quantities of clothing, just bought for anyway, bought for anyway. Well, this was... I mean, you when you were cross-dressing, was that all kind of top secret? No one knew about it. it was... Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. As, as, well, as far as I knew, hundred percent secret, hundred percent private. Um, part of the benefits of my career is as freelancers that because I travelled around a lot, it gave me plenty of opportunities to have effectively event time where I was by myself in you know, away from everyone else. So it's quite easy to do. It. Um. Uh. And largely due to role models and perceptions of society and stuff like that, I probably spent 30 years thinking I was either some sort of pervert or yeah, basically a pervert, because that's that's kind of the role models I had as I grew up. Um, I'd be, you know, any any man who was dressing as a woman was was you know probably doing it for perverted reasons. Um Things probably they probably had a slightly different view in some respects because Brighton being quite open and stuff was slightly different, but still, you know, it's still how I felt. Um then then COVID hit. Um I don't know if I don't know if um people were familiar with COVID. Uh it's a, it was a, a disease that sort of really just killed everything off in terms of social stuff for quite a few years. Um what it did for me was it stopped me traveling. Uh, it meant that I basically spent 24/7 at home, uh, working remotely on Zoom, which not a problem. That's that's my job is eminently doable from that. But what it did do is it stopped me being able to have an event time to be me anywhere else, um, and that led to me spending quite a lot of time trying to figure out actually how important was that? Was it just something that was just a you know, flash in the pan, I just, you know, I can go to it. Or was it something that's actually, you know, this is a, this is actually me. Um, and I spent a lot of time, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm a computer person, so I've got uh, text files all over the place, trying to read, read trying to remember my history, um, what I've gone through, how I stepped back, all those sort of things. And I started to come to the conclusion that, you know what, probably it's not, not just a fad. Um, there might be a little bit more to it. Uh, I got in touch with a counsellor 
who I spoke to for quite a long time. Um, this is around sort of, I don't know, about probably after about, maybe, maybe six or seven months of from COVID starting. Yeah. Um, and I, I changed my pronouns on my sort of the clients and stuff to they them just to see how it felt, see how it sort of fitted me. And, you know, it was better. Didn't really sort of quite fit quite right and still didn't feel quite right. And uh, eventually just sort of one day really sort of tweaked that I was actually trans and that she, her fitted me better than the other stuff did. Um, and that would have been sort of about, I don't know, late February or something and uh, I guess probably a, a few weeks later after that I socially transitioned um, right. and I kind of did everything in, in, a, in a very short period of time largely anyone who follows me on Twitter at that point in time will be very aware of it as I very publicly went through the whole process um, which is very much in fitting with pretty much everything I've done in, in terms of where the transition stuff has been quite public. So, so um, you, 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 you kind of got to the point where you decided that, you know, you now you need to do something about it. Yeah, things. So I came out due to, um, to my, my partner at the time. I came out to her, um, I hadn't intended to. I knew I wanted to. I, well, I was, I everything I'd read online said that she would leave me, that the world would crumble, um, everyone would leave me. I would be by myself. Um. So, I didn't. I wanted to wait until um, travel restrictions were lifted from COVID, because there's two there's two reasons for it. One in case I needed to go somewhere, in case she said, you need to get out of the house, or two, in case she wanted to be able to go somewhere. I didn't want her to feel trapped or, or me to feel trapped. I didn't want that to happen. And, and I thought, you know what, it's probably going to be a few more months. I can cope with this. I can, I can kind of deal with this for a few months. I've, I've done it for 40 years so far. I can, you know, a few months isn't going to hurt. Yeah. Um, events transpired, and I accidentally came out. Which is not the best way to do it but then again i'm not entirely convinced there is a great way to do it um and uh, i ended up coming out significantly earlier than, than anticipated um and uh from that point onwards it kind of just it sort of snowballed um i've not had a I, you know I, I just did everything from that point onwards so in I, I almost within that first within that first week everyone um work uh friends family facebook i mean facebook people thought that someone had hacked my account and changed my name um so i had to do a had to do a traditional coming out post where i basically said look no one's attacked no one's changed my name this is me if you don't like it, go away. If you do like it, hello, I'm Charlotte. Nice to meet you finally. Yeah. Um, and um, that, you know, with all my sort of things like credit cards and stuff, I guess, probably also came out. It was all, it was all very much within that brief period of time. 
Um, so then you kind of went through changing all your identity, like passport, driving license, all your documentation and everything. Yeah, yeah, I did it very, I had a checklist. I worked my way through it methodically. Um, whilst, whilst yeah, I, I basically had a couple of weeks off of work um, and I kind of just went through and yeah. <clears throat> plowed my way through those furrows, as it were. Yeah, I remember when I was doing that, I had a, I had a spreadsheet. It took me about three months to get through all the whole, the whole list of everything I needed to do. It was quite the quite I still, the get, I still get old names. There's plenty of accounts which still yeah, use things my old still name. pop up now and again. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I, I mean, last year I just used that as a spam filter. If they're emailing my old name, then quite frankly, they obviously don't. They, they weren't important enough for me to tell them about, yeah. so they're not important oh. enough for me to care about now. And uh, how 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 have you navigated NHS? Because you know we, we all know that's a can be a bit of a nightmare for trans people. Yeah. Okay. So NHS is, um, I guess there's the, the GIC. So I've been referred to the GIC, the Laurels, because I'm in Southwest, which is, uh, I think when I did it, it was a five-year waiting list. Yeah. Just a, the first sort of meeting. Um, so as a consequence, uh, I went private with gender care, um, largely because I wanted to be on the same pathway as the NHS one. I wanted to be less troublesome. Um, and my, because of, I think possibly because my endocrinologist is, um, you know, the NHS endocrinologist, um, my GP has, uh, you know, I had a discussion with her and we, and she's, she was happy to do shared care with me for that. Um, she was actually wanted to sort of be involved in the process to actually learn how transitioning yeah and that was that's kind of based on the fact that you were with uh gender care which is i guess quite well recognized by the nhs yeah i think because i think i guess because gender care is um all the people in gender care are yeah they are nhs and private yeah, yeah. They do both. yeah so it's kind of it's kind of like they're doing the gic stuff anyway they're just yeah getting paid extra which is the so I mean, more, that, more that, probably, that probably gave your GP some confidence, I think. Yeah, she was, as long as, you know, she looked at the endocrinologist who was going to be sort of dealing with me and said, yep, yeah, he's, well, you know, he's, I mean, basically what she said was uh, our guidelines say that um, as long as we trust the endocrinologist um, and, you know, the, the person I said I was looking to go and talk yeah. to, she said, you know, as long as, as long as, you know, we trust them, then we will, um, they, you know, the guideline basically says that we should be okay to offer shared care with it. And so, so they did. Um, I tried not, yeah. One of the things, so I've been on HRT for about six months or so. Um, I try not to talk generally too much about that side of things, not because I'm embarrassed by it or it's a problematic sort of thing. It's partly because I have that sort of worry that um, not everyone wants to do it. Not everyone necessarily can do it, yeah. right? And 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 that's something which I don't I don't particularly want to say. Oh, look at me! Yeah, I've I've yeah. I've, I've saved. I've got enough savings that I can do private. That I can get onto the you know I can jump HRD and jump the five year waiting list. Yeah. Um, I, that's that's always been so. Yeah, there's no I'm, I'm I'm there's no point in sort of saying I'm not on it, but also I don't tend to advertise that particularly. I don't you know, I don't have my HRT start date. And it's not, you know, it's just, that's just me personally. Um, 
my own personal reasons to do that. So, yeah. So you, I mean, you've you've gone private, basically because of the extreme wait lists with the NHS. Yeah, everything's going okay. You know, because of that, because of you, you know, because of your option to go privately. Yeah, and that's I, that you. I'm I'm totally critically aware that not everyone has that option. No, they don't. That's something Absolutely which is, don't. And it's it's not cheap. It's it's quite expensive to go private. Honestly, if I could give up my if I could give up my GIC to let someone else get ahead of me, I would. I have no problem with that. It doesn't bother me. I'm I'm there's there's for me uh, going to the NHS is largely because it's um the thing you're supposed to do. Um, whether I need to carry on doing that, yeah, because it's five year waiting list. It could be I'll, I'll be like. 46 or something by the time we get to towards that end that end goal um and there are plenty of people who who, who will be starting now who who should jump ahead of me if i could say you know what just put these people ahead of me i'm quite happy for that i would love to do that it's not a problem for me it's not it's it's, it's fine that'd be great yeah i mean the, the 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 system the gic system it's you know it's so unfair you know it's a postcode lottery in a lot of cases you know, some some areas like yours, you're waiting five years. Some other, some other areas, less. You know, it, yeah, even the less it's, is not great. It's totally, you know, unequitable across the UK. There's no kind of standard wait time. It's really depending on where you live and how lucky you got. In a lot of cases, I yeah. Think. But that's arguably that's the same for a lot of. But you know, trans is a, is a is a is a more well, acute it's, it's example. It's one that affects us. The one that we focus on the most. Yeah, I mean, there's other areas within the NHS which are just as bad, if not worse. Um, and that's that's something to you know. It's it's. I think my uh, yeah. I mean, I again, like I, I don't. I'm I've not been transitioning long enough to really have a good long term view on how all this stuff is going, and I'm wary about you. Know, being seen, you know, being able to talk about that sort of stuff with any authority, um, as, as I don't really have any authority on it. Uh, I only have my experience, and that really is all I ever have for anything. It's just my experience of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels like the waiting lists are getting longer, and I'm sure in a lot of cases they are getting longer. They're trying to do something about waiting lists with these pilot schemes, which were two years. I think they've got five of them now. It's a very small, you know, effort they've put in to do some targeted weight list reduction in certain areas it's certainly not addressing the the main problem across the whole of the uk they need to do a lot more but with the current government it's a, it's I, a, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon i mean the the nhs problems we have at the moment are you know they're just, they're just yeah getting worse and it's also it's also very politically charged politically it is very politically charged yeah Right now, it's it's also and and actually, you know, there's there are lots of the, the NHS is is hugely underfunded, regardless yeah. of all this for everything, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a I don't they, the way I, I don't I'm I'm not I'm not a politician I'm not a uh, an NHS funder I don't know how they spend their money how they do those things um uh you know for me I could do private and uh, that's something which I would. I wish I didn't have to. I re- honestly, I re- don't really like doing private. For me, that's it's it's sort of against quite a lot of my 
Yeah. Um, my morals. It's, it's not. It's not. I'm not pleased with it. Um, but I also, um, you know, I I had to do it really to otherwise I'd be spending a long time waiting. Yeah, this is the thing. You know, if you if you if you didn't go private, you'd be stuck in that five year queue with not being able to do anything, and, and that's just a an awful situation. Yeah, a lot of people are in. You know. Yes, too many. Way too many people. Well, five years worth of people at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of killed off in the positive mood. Well, I mean, that is the reality. I mean, it I, is. I don't know yeah. what we can do about that, but, you know, everybody everybody spends a lot of time talking about it. I'm not sure how we how we improve it. There's, you know, there's, there's people talking about the whole system needs to be revamped. Hopefully something good will come out of the pilot schemes that we turned into proper full-blown GICs. I mean, that will be a good thing, but they need to do it across the country. It needs to be, trans healthcare needs to be done at, you know, your local GP clinic. It doesn't need to be done in these regional centres. No, and I think the, uh, so, so that's, that's, I don't have, I don't, I don't have any solutions to it. I'm not, that's, that's, I, I don't have that area of expertise. I don't have any, anything that there are people who have so much more better and, and vocal ways of speaking about it. And I, I you know, I, I'm wary about saying anything really, because I, I'm always worried you step on someone's toes and things, but yeah. those people are fighting. They are, they are doing it now. I know, I know of people who are talking to the NHS uh, and talking to other, even, even the other sort of departments about lots of things about how they can make things easier. And, and they're in the place to do that stuff so much better than honestly. I think I think a lot of the time it's just the more just existing because a lot of us just exist. That's kind of actually the we, the we just exist part kind of have to deal with the system, don't we? It's it's not easy. Yeah, we have to exist and deal with the system. But equally, the more we're seen, the more that um, I, I walk around the town and no one says anything, or the the fact that someone that maybe people see and go okay it doesn't she doesn't seem to be attacking anyone that's, that's, that seems odd because everything i've read says that she would be attacking people and so you know she's she's trans woman clearly she's, she's going to be attacking people clearly clearly that's the narrative uh, but she's not so what's what's going on here um yeah maybe it's it's a it's, it's not activism in in you know, in, in the sense of what i what i think the real activists are doing um it's just existing in a way which makes people not fear not worry about who we are how we are who those people exist um and that's actually quite a lot of what it, it normalizes things yeah living living your life yeah as you are yeah 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 that's a powerful thing it really is i think so i hope so because all i'm doing at the moment <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Charlotte-mas. Okay. So uh, I've seen this on your yeah. Twitter account, Charlotte-mas. I think it was uh, based on your birthday. Go on, you, you explain the story. Uh, it was originally, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, quite often I see um, I see people on, on Twitter, so they, they post something about their birthday, um, and then, then there'll be a subsequent post a bit later on, maybe a quote tweet or something saying, oh, no, it's like this. Everyone's ever, no one's given me all the likes and love I need for my birthday. No, I, it's, no I, one I said happy birthday to me. 
Yeah, why why do I even bother being on Twitter? Uh, the thing is that Twitter's a game. It's largely just about trying to gain the algorithms to do what you want it to do. And I decided that uh, this year I would make sure that people were aware of when my birthday was going to be. I don't really know exactly when the name came up, uh, but it started off and I kind of ran with it. Um, after, I think, probably a few days of irritating all the people who follow me, um, a couple of uh, amazingly kind people asked um, you know, if they could get me something for Charlotte-mas. And honestly, I, I kind of feel like for me, I, I've... Um, there's not a lot. It's, it's firstly, it was an amazing gesture. It's really nice to have someone ask that who I, I've I've spoken to, but I've never met. Um, I it was it was it was just really nice for someone to say that. Um, and for me, I would rather I, I I'd rather that sort of was either you know the, the idea was something to go to charity or to go to someone else. Um, and so I said that and. Uh, they came back and said, "Okay, well, which which charities? Like, oh, come on, just uh, uh, charities, whatever." And I guess probably what um, uh, a few months beforehand, um, I've seen a few posts by uh, Emma Williams, who's the the mum of Emily Williams. Yeah. Um, about how she had to take Emily out of school because. Um, uh, the people in school were being shipped to Emily. Um, and you know what? I, 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 you know, going to school for me was, um, I was bullied. Uh, I was, you know, that's, that's kind of, I mean, you're either in the, you're either the bully or the bully in, in certainly in my area of school. Um, and, you know, it wasn't great. I had plenty of times where I picked up where I didn't want to go to school, stuff like that, but I, I could do it. Um, largely because I was presenting as a, a cis male in the in the 80s, which actually genuinely, you know, cis white male in the 80s, pretty easy. Um, and the bullying was largely just because they were dicks. Um, for the, I can't imagine how hard it is to be 13 transitioning and getting bullied at school at the same time. Yeah, Awful. yeah, like constantly, all the time, right? Yeah, and. Uh, Emma set up a, a sort of GoFundMe to be able to afford to look after to teach Emily at, at home. Yeah, so it's, I just said it's it's a go for they're trying to raise uh, I think it's seven thousand pounds. Yeah, towards to, paying for Emily's home homeschooling. Yeah, which is which is you know eminently reasonable, right? When you're talking about going from most people's home environments is a TV. Um, Maybe some books and stuff, maybe a computer or something which they you know, they use for doing maybe a homework on. But it's not for it's not set up to teach someone. No, it's not set up to actually help someone learn. And you know what the, the biggest thing is that I I I can use big words. I can I can I can I my my career is based on the fact that I learned how to do stuff at school that um, do things. To to have that removed from you. To be able to have that that element of being able to do the stuff you need to do to to actually just progress in life, 
and for such a shit reason, okay, <laughs> sorry, um, is that it's just it's just terrible. And and actually, you know what? That that I said I said you know um, just just um, donate some money to to Emily. Yeah, that would be great. I love that. And um, so I I I put a few tweets up about the fact that it was gonna that you. Know, Kind of, kind of as if it was as if it was a fundraising fundraising drive. Yeah. Um, I spoke to Emma first to just to make sure that she was okay with it. Yeah. Um, obviously, Charlotte Miss itself is quite a silly thing. It's not particularly serious. Um. But it started to. It started to sort of take a life of its own. Um. So it wasn't the day after Charlotte Miss. Um. I had people coming up to me and saying, "Well, how did it was was Charlotte Miss your birthday?" I was like, "Yeah." Um, but the fact that people didn't know was great. The the fact that um, on a on a given on a day which is typically very self centered, where everything is about that one person, and you know there are other people who's had birthdays on 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 the same day, um, and there are lots of you know around the world, I guess millions of people who had the birthday on the same day. It's not it's it's just a day in a week. Oh, um, yeah, but to be able to, to be able to actually say. Uh, instead of just saying someone saying happy birthday to you and you going oh yeah thank you that's great thank you and you know, that awkward sort of you know saying thank you for everything to be able to say effectively happy birthday back to them like happy Charlotte Miss back to you is great it's a really good thing to have to be able to do it it makes it makes me feel I, I, I felt way happier being able to make um, being able to do that and be able to sort of Almost repeat, return, re- recall everything that's going back because you know that that hashtag in a week, which was particularly bad for trans. You know, yeah, it was a terrible. Week. And I guess, yeah, there's nothing bad on that hashtag. Everything is positive. It's, even if it's someone going, "What is Charlemus?" I it I I loved I loved it when someone like um, Jess uh, tweeted about Charlemus and, and someone who just followed her was like, "What's Charlemus?" Like, yeah, and then you can point don't follow me. the fundraiser for Emily. It's, it's a really neat way of doing it. Yeah, but people who don't people who don't follow me, we're getting like going. What what is Charles? Why why what what what, what, what what are you talking about? Because and all those those that that is just a really just really nice. It genuinely was just a really nice experience to, yeah. to and also it just allowed me to interact with people to have to actually have that. I, there's the, I, probably not many people I imagine who my followers just who didn't know something was happening on on Charlotte's. Whether you know, I had no there was no there was no point where um, I thought to myself, oh, no one's like this, or no one's no one's cared about this, right? Because I forced it to happen. I I, I actively tried to make sure that everyone knew for as long as I could do without irritating them. I suspect I probably did irritate a few people. Um, <laughs> oh well, I think we will get okay. over it. Yeah, this year. Next year will be a whole different thing. <laughs> so next year you're going to do something. So you're going to pick another another charity. Next I year, don't know, maybe another another. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the plans. The no, committee no, no. is in. The committee is in place, and we will we, we will talk it amongst ourselves. And excellent. And what I'll, what I'll do in the in the podcast description, I'll put the link into Emily's uh, GoFundMe. So if anybody wants to, awesome. Yeah, yeah, they can do. So yeah, brilliant, fab. So, yeah. And is there, is there anything else you want to promote? Are you, are you writing any books or going on any tours or anything? 
No, no, I'm not writing any books or any tours. I am critically aware there are quite a few you know, um, trans books and my story is really not that interesting from that point of view. Um, I think, you know, the mystery thriller and uh, movie rights for all the stories I plan to write, I, I, I don't want to give them away now because yeah, you know, no, I, I don't I'm in discussions with some major corporations and some major, major things. You know, Charlotte Mus is probably going to be making it into a, a yeah. I think, a 50 part series on Netflix. I'm sure. It's, it's, I'm sure. Well, I mean, we've done part one today of your of podcast. I mean, we probably need to do another six, six or seven, seven so that we can get, yeah. you know, past Seren's record. Well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 something which I've, I've always... Uh, Seren is someone who um, spoke to me when I first came out, probably on the first day, actually, um, and was largely, I would say, a huge part of the reason why I... Um, was able to come out so quickly. Why I was able to do all the stuff I was able to do because she helped me through all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I will still be her in podcast numbers. I have no, I have no qualms over that. <laughs> so I think we'd have to talk for two and a half hours to to beat her individual single podcast record. And I, well, I, okay. We well, I'll go brew another tea. We did. We, we did three podcasts in total. The, the original one, and then there was two around her. Pre-post surgery um, event. So yeah, we've. I mean, I think we've done a we've done a good job here. I think we've what we've done so far today. Um, it's over an hour and a half. So yeah, that's that's a pretty good start. Well, we'll have we'll have the pre-Charlotte Miss one for next year. Yeah, the, we'll, we'll, the do we'll, we'll do it. Wrap up the other one. The twenty the twenty four hour live feed that I presume will be a. Will be, I was thinking I was thinking of, of doing maybe a twenty four hour podcast to raise money. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that could work very nicely. I think yeah. maybe just a live stream of, of, uh, of everything. Maybe a podcast live stream thing for yeah, at least twenty four hours just to raise money. Different guests come on, different hosts. It doesn't have to be me all the time. You get really bored listening to my voice. So get a, diff- a few different people come on and just keep the thing going for twenty four hours. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we'll try and organize that. <laughs> try and coordinate it with uh, Charlotte Mus for next year. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's that would be ideal. Um, but equally, I'm happy to start any national holiday any time <laughs> of the year. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Excellent. It doesn't matter as long as it's a, it's a, it should be, it should be, you know, it should be a, a festival period almost every every other week. Should Wait, be a at least a once a month, I think. Yeah. Yeah, once a month. I'm happy with that. Who needs an excuse? Uh, there's always someone's birthday. Yeah, absolutely. You may not know them, but it's their birthday. <laughs> Celebrate it. Well, it was absolutely great having a chat with you today, Charlotte. We covered a lot of interesting topics there. Thank you so much for coming on. Much enjoyed. You're very welcome. It was lovely talking to you as well. Um, I guess we should thank Jason for putting us together. Yes, indeed. We should. Yes. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Jason. And uh, for anybody listening, Please subscribe uh, if you enjoyed the podcast. Um, always happy to have guests on if you want to come on. Let me know. Um, yeah. So thanks a lot, Charlotte. Hopefully you'll speak soon and see you at Brighton Pride. Okay. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.